Another trip back to 2016, and that was when I talked to Linda Gale Lewis. And what an interesting life she's had. She's not only duetted with her brother, the inimitable Jeremy Lewis, but she's also worked with Van Morrison and Robbie Fulks and so many other people. And what makes it so cool is she also has a new show tonight during the quarantine, you know, and so you need to see about that. I'll post the links to that. But what an amazing and interesting woman she is. Linda Gale Lewis on DaleWileyShow.com. Well, I'm pleased to be joined today by Linda Gale Lewis, um, not only well-known for her recordings with her brother Jerry Lee and, and some other guy named Van Morrison, but also uh, a recording artist since the 60s in her own right. And Miss um, Linda, I'm glad to have you with me. Well, hello, Dale, and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> well, um, I, I'm just really glad we could get together, and and I've got a lot of questions for you, but I, I've got I've got one to begin with that that might be a little bit different, and that is, what makes a good harmony singer? Well, um, what I would say that you'd have to have, first of all, you would have to have talent. <laughs> yeah. <clearly. laughs> and, you know, I had a good teacher because my ex-husband, Kenny Lovelace, taught uh-huh. me how to sing harmony. Right. And and I picked it up from him because he and I were singing uh, with my brother. Right. And then, of course, uh, as a kid growing up, we were singing, you know, in church and singing around the house. But, and so it was a combination of, of learning some of it when I was a kid and then learning more of it as a young adult from Kenny Lovelace and, and being on the road with my brother, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, and singing backing vocals with Kenny for Jerry. And then, of course, I did a duets album with my brother, and I sang harmony on that. So right. but the, three, the three-part harmony is a little – I was always able to sing harmony from a very young age, because I, I remember when I was about five years old, I could sing harmony with my sister. But then when it gets into the three parts, where my brother was singing the lead, and Kenny was singing a harmony part, and I was singing a harmony part, then that that's a little bit more involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and I guess I bring that up, because uh, in in those recordings, when it, it was you and, and your brother, uh, it mainly during the '60s, but of course some some later than that. Um, you're you're about um, 12 years younger than your brother, is that right? It, that's that's exactly right. It's 12 years. All right. Well, what what I just think is interesting is singing harmony is one thing, and and it's it's definitely something you have to learn. You can learn it with your family or whatever else, but it's definitely something you have to learn to do. But doing that with Jerry Lee, to me, would be a little bit different because he just swoops in at a different angle than anybody else takes when he's singing duets with you. It's very interesting what he does, Dale, because what he does, and I learned this from him, and I can do it too, and it, it really makes it easier when you're singing with Jerry D. Lewis or Van Morrison, somebody that has, you know, um, not just your regular vocal, but, you know, stylist. Right. <laughs> but oh, but yeah. Jerry, Jerry uh, what I noticed that he did was he switches parts during a song. 
He'll be oh, singing one yeah. one part harmony, but then he'll change it to something else to suit the song or or uh, the you know how, if it's the right key for him or whatever. But he is so talented. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I was thinking specifically about a song that to me is is a classic in in Don't Let Me Cross Over. And I mean that's been a classic. It's been done by many people, but the moment uh, you kind of sung the first verse, and Jerry Lee just comes in out of the sight of that, just not. Oh, it's amazing! I love what I love the harmony he sang on that song. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe he did like two different parts. Oh, uh, if at least I mean (laughs) he, he was just taking. Well, of course, with him. Uh, you know, it might be his own part because he's not going to sing it the way Carl Butler did. I mean, he's going to sing it the way that Jerry Lee would. And Well, um, but he can't do it any other way. He can only <laughs> oh, do it his way. <laughs> <laughs> well, so tell me the specifics about being a harmony singer with him. Tell me how that um, – what was interesting about that? Well, for me, it was easy until Kenny was with us, and when Kenny joined us, then it was three parts. So I had to learn not to get into other people's parts. When when you're singing three parts, you can't right. take the other person's part because right. then they have nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, but, you know, it, it just seems to me that um, there's a special place in heaven for people that, that have to sing Harmony with such an interest. I mean, you said stylist, and and clearly that's what Jerry Lee has always called himself. Um, yeah, but, darling, that's what, yeah, he is a stylist for oh, sure. I, I mean, he's one of the. I mean, you know, there's there's not many higher in in the Wiley household than, than Jerry Lee for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's my but, favorite. So, <laughs> well, I'm sure he is. number one here. <laughs> but I, I'm just interested to know if kind of the fact that every night. It's not going to be a little different. It may be a lot different. I mean, is there anything that you have to bring to that that's different? Well, I, you know, when I was singing with Jerry, I had to really watch him because I didn't oh, really yeah. know for sure what he was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was probably true on the, on and off stage. <laughs> I, had, I had to watch him really close. And uh-huh. I think, you know, he doesn't like to do duets with me live now, but I think if he – ever remembers how close I can watch him and how quickly I can change when I need to, he'll he may want to do it again. But I think right, right now he's thinking, Oh, that's just too much bother and I have to plan and do this and that. But back in the old days in the sixties and seventies and we were on the road, nobody planned anything and I just fell right, right in. Right. And, and praise God I was able to do it. <laughs> Most of the time. I wasn't perfect. <laughs> Well, and, and one thing that I think about, you know, that whole experience is, um, you know, you, you talk about that, but I think it, it really opened up a different side of things for Jerry Lee, too. I mean, there were things that he could do that, uh, you know, when you were singing with him that he couldn't do by himself. Well, and, you know, there's just something special about families singing together. Sure, I, I think I think because we have the same mother and the same father and the same DNA, basically, uh-huh. uh, or similar DNA, whatever that is. I'm definitely not a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think, you know, there's a special sound there that you can get with your own family. Right. What about, um, what was it like 
growing up in in that household as far as music? The music was always wonderful. Of course, you know, we were dirt poor before Jerry started making money and before right. he had his first hit record. And uh-huh. that that's not the greatest of memories for me because, you know, I was embarrassed about the house we lived in. We lived in a sharecropper shack at Black River, Louisiana. And when the bus would take us home, I, I was embarrassed by that. Uh, uh-huh. My sister, on the other hand, Frankie Jean, just has the most wonderful memories of living at Black River. But I really don't because I didn't like that house and I didn't like, you know, having to get off that school bus every day in front of that sharecropper shack. And uh-huh. I didn't like that outdoor toilet. <laughs> I didn't like that either. <laughs> so and it, it was just a, a, a hardship then. And then, of course, we moved into town. Jerry bought us a beautiful home and a new Cadillac and clothes and, and shared everything he made with us. Right. And and you would have been about uh, 9 or 10 when he first started having um, some chart success. I'm, so. I'm pretty sure I was 10, and you know, that was the most wonderful thing because we, we Jerry called Mom and said, I want you and Daddy and Linda Gale and Frankie Jean to have everything I have. And, I mean, it was just so our lives changed, and it was just so oh, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Now, when uh, when you started recording with him, you were a teenager, and, and that was kind of his period before, kind of after the rock and roll hits, but before he really started to make it on the country charts. And um, I think he was on Smash Records at that time, is that right? Well, we did some stuff on Smash. Of course, my first duet with him was on Sun, uh, Seasons of My Heart. Right. And then after Seasons of My Heart, I did uh, we did North to Alaska on, on his uh, Country Songs for City Folks album. I love that album. Uh-huh. And 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 uh, but then when I started singing with him after that on his albums, that's when he was having the hits. I was on his very first hit album on right. the country charts, another place, another time. Right. We did. We live in two different worlds. Right. And and that one actually made it into the top ten or something on the. I mean, it was a very very well received. Oh, right. another place, another time. It that was a hit. It was. And and yeah. a lot of the DJs that back in those days. The record companies just sent the DJs the albums, and they would pick other songs other than just the hit to play. And we right. got a lot of airplay on We Live in Two Different Worlds. And that's right. that's when um, Smash decided that they would uh, have me be an artist on their label as well. Right. And so tell me, what what was it like being um, at the Famous Sun Studios? What was what was that like to cut a record? Well, I was just thrilled to death, you know, and, and <laughs> Sam Phillips was always so nice to me, and he said very nice things about me and my singing and he always liked me and and that was just lovely and and I was there with my brother and I knew that he was trying to help me and get me started you know on my own career and uh-huh. and it was fun it was great I enjoyed it Oh absolutely um when when you got on Smash and you started kind of recording your own stuff as well as duets um what are your memories about uh what that was like to be moved into that lifestyle? Well, the thing is, is that I didn't really move into any kind of lifestyle because I was living with my mother. My brother was taking care of me, taking me on the road with him, paying me really well. I Uh could do whatever I wanted to do. There was Uh no pressure on me. And because of all of that, I didn't work very hard on that album. (laughs) I mean, there's a big difference. And I'm an old lady now. But I'm a ten times better singer now than I was then, <laughs> because I, I really have worked hard and 
when I started my solo career, it just made all the difference in the world. And there's a big difference in my album, Hard Rockin' Woman, and the two sides of Linda Gale Lewis. Sure. Oh, absolutely. And, <laughs> and, 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 you know, let's talk a little bit about the new record that you've made that's gotten really nice reviews all over the place, including uh, I saw recently a, a really nice four-star review um, from Mojo Magazine from England, which I consider to be the best music magazine around. I mean, they they really liked it. And and there's some new songs on there, and there's some also some songs that are very well um, thought of as being your brother's songs. And so tell me a little bit about what, what that album was like. Oh, we, it was just great. I mean, we had so much fun cutting that album. My, my daughter and my son-in-law, my daughter Annie Marie Lewis and my son-in-law, Danny B. Harvey, and I just got, we got in the car and just drove up there to Pennsylvania, went in studio with Quentin Jones and Blair, uh, the drummer, and <laughs> he's a wonderful, wonderful drummer. Uh, we had uh-huh. a cracking band. And and we just went in there, and, and we just worked, uh, you know, like our lives depended on it, and worked really hard and cut all the stuff um, live on the floor. It had a nice feel to it. And, and Rocking My Life Away is uh, my brother's song. And that was the last song we did because we, we really just needed one more song and we couldn't think of what to do. And Quentin and Danny <laughs> said, can you think of anything that you do live that you really enjoy doing on this album? And I said, well, Rocking My Life Away is, is one of my favorite songs that I do live. They said, well, right. let's try that. And so I just sat down and sang it and played it, and that was it. We We only did it one time. Well, and I, and I certainly agree. I mean, your voice just stands out on the thing. I mean, it, it's really, uh, I mean, you're singing as well as you've ever sung. Oh, well, thank and, you. Thank you very much. Well, I've been working really hard since 1987. <laughs> <laughs> so you can, you can identify 1987 as the time that you decided you needed to start working on it more. Is that? <laughs> it, it was actually decided for me because my sister-in-law at that time, not my sister-in-law that I have now. Just don't say that because I love her. <laughs> I love Judith. But uh, the the other lady, you know, uh, did me a big favor, really. But she kind of kicked me out of uh, my brother's band and his show. And, uh-huh. and she did me a big favor because I, none of this would have ever happened for me. Because you, honestly, Dale, I would never have left my brother. Right. I would have just stayed there forever. Right. And... You know, I mean, and and that time period was kind of an interesting time period because it was kind of before the the real stars had been rediscovered. So I, I think it was a good time to kind of kick out on your own, maybe before the resurgence that came along with with younger people discovering the music. Do you, do you see that at all? You know, I had never thought about that. All I could think about was. <laughs> getting enough gigs to pay my rent <laughs> and my ex-father-in-law god bless him what a wonderful man he was had to uh sign a, a note for me to buy a piano oh wow <laughs> so uh, you know it was it was pretty hard there at first oh wow now uh, actually very shortly or you know relatively shortly thereafter um, you got asked by another living legend to make a record with him, uh, Van Morrison. So talk about great stylists. I just don't know that you could do any better than Jerry Lee Lewis and, and Van Morrison, but 
Tell me about that. Well, it was the year 2000, and, and you know, I I didn't really know what was going on, but I, I'd been invited to, to have dinner with Van and um, Mac at the King's Hotel in Wales by my agent, Mr. Paul Barrett, and he said, Linda, do you want to go and have dinner with Van Morrison and Mac and me? And I said, not really. Because <laughs> I had met Van at the Jerry Lee Lewis convention, and he didn't have, you know, the greatest personality in the world. And he was, and my husband was there with me, and he was complaining to my husband, Eddie Braddock, because uh, Eddie, uh, of course, was a promotion man, and he right. was one of the promoters of Brown Eyed Girl. In fact, it may not have been as big a hit as it was if it hadn't been for my husband. So, of course, Ed, Eddie wanted to share that story with Van, and Van just got all upset and said, you know, he hadn't been paid by Burt Burns and all this stuff. And I thought, wow, you know, this guy's hard work. But then uh, my agent said, you know, this could turn out really nice for you because sometimes Van Morrison does projects with people. He could decide to do one with you, and it could be good for you. And I said, okay, sure. let's let's do, let's have dinner. And then when we had dinner, all of us, we talked about a lot of things about my brother because Van, you know, is a Jerry Lee Lewis fan. Oh, and I found that, that we, we agreed on a lot of the Jerry Lee Lewis songs, like, you know, the song Let's Talk About Us, which was our first single from the album. And we we both said that we thought it was a shame that that wasn't a hit because we really liked that recording a lot. But it wasn't a hit because it was after the scandal. And those uh, recordings right after the scandal didn't get any airplay, and they weren't hits. Sure. But we said we thought it was great, and we ended up doing it on our album. But I, I never knew for sure where all that was going, but then – uh, Van said, well, let's get together and have a jam session. I said, well, that sounds like fun. So we did that. And then he said, are you free next Tuesday or whatever day that was? And I said, okay, yes, I am. And he <laughs> said, well, let's go in the studio then and, and cut these songs. That, uh, I said, well, I didn't know that we were planning on recording. He said, well, that's really why I wanted to do these songs with you, to see if we could come up with some songs that I'd like to record with you. So right. we went in and recorded them. And then after that, he decided that he wanted to release the album. You, the album was called You Win Again, and then I, yeah. I worked with him. My daughter and I traveled with him for one year after that. Wow. And and he has not done a whole lot of uh, duets of, or, or an album of duets um, with other people. He's he's definitely had some interesting collaborations, but he kind of singled you out for that. I think it's the only one. Uh, well, of course, he did the skiffle thing with... Um, Lonnie Donegan, yeah. I forget that gentleman's name now. Yeah, Very Lonnie, talented. Lonnie I, Donegan. Yeah, I, I know yes. who you're talking about. And uh -huh. you know what? I saw them doing some songs from that album on Jules Holland. I thought it was fantastic. So right. I guess it's just a Lonnie Donegan skiffle album, and you win again. There you go. Well, let me ask you this. So I take it from your uh, what you said about not wanting to go to dinner with him, that you were not... <laughs> Uh, you were not a big Van Morrison fan entering this, is that right? Well, I was a, I was a fan of his music, but uh -huh. I thought he was I thought that was a little strange that he was telling us about. <laughs> we we, we don't, I don't even know Burt Burns. I mean, he, of course, he's passed away now. But <laughs> and at the oh, same time, funny. you know, Van really admired and had a lot of respect for Burt Burns because he said to me one day, he said, "You know, we don't have these great music men anymore, right? Like Sam Phillips and Jerry Wexler." and Leonard Chess, and Burt Burns. He uh -huh. said that to me. So he, right. he did have a love and a respect for them, but he sure. just felt like he should have made more money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know that, that, I mean, he's been very vocal about it, that period for him because, I mean, he, 
he clearly hadn't gotten the control he wanted to get. And and I, I think that probably you're right in that Eddie's work probably really did something for that record because that was that wasn't a surefire hit in the sense of where it was positioned. So I could totally see that. Well, you know, you got to have good promotion people to have oh, a hit. Absolutely. And back then, you just really had to have, you know, somebody <laughs> that knew what they were doing. Or you just, if you're not on the radio, if you wasn't on the radio back then, you couldn't sell albums or singles or anything. Right. Well, so tell me, how is singing with Van Morrison different than singing with Jerry Lee Lewis? Well, I have to say that both of them are not the easiest people in the world to sing with because they change things. Right. And I I don't really think that Van was much harder than Jerry. It might have been a little bit harder, and it probably would have been a little bit harder because I've been singing with my brother my whole life. Right, right. And then, of course, there are very different styles of of vocals. Those are two very different styles. So, But, you know, and I was sitting in that studio at that grand piano, and Van was about – five feet away from me with his guitar and his harmonica and stuff. And I'm trying to watch him and see what he's doing and and sing with him. So there was times that I didn't totally match up with him because we didn't do overdubs. The only overdub we did was on Jambalaya because Van said, I'm going to swap my mom instead of mon to buy Yvonne what she needo. (laughs) He said, well, I can't leave that like that because he really has got a strict rule about overdubs. He said, we do have to overdub. We have to sing the song. Just sing it one more time. He said, I love the music on it. But he said, I've, I've said mom, and my mother would not like that at all. So we have to change that. <laughs> but, but yeah, and I just watched him. And, I'm, of course, I was playing the piano and singing and, and, and watching him and singing harmony and trying to remember what we were doing. It, it was pretty wild. And, and, honestly, I never thought that album would come out. I never. Really? I just thought, well, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm getting paid to be here, and you know, as a working musician, I make my living with music. Sure. I can always use money. So I said, what the heck? I'll just have a good time. <laughs> and then, surprise, surprise, it comes out. <laughs> oh wow! And and your piano uh, is that you playing on Old Black Joe? Is is that you playing piano? Oh, it is. I, I played piano on the whole album. Well, I tell you, on that one especially, I mean, um, when I first heard that, I assumed that was Jerry Lee there. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. That was, uh, I mean, that's a really great, I, that's my favorite song on, on the album is, is the old Black Joe cut. I mean, that thing really moves and and uh, the whole thing is good, but that's the one that I, I really single out. I am so proud of that album, and you know, uh, Van was really proud of it. He released more singles from that album than he did any album he's ever had out. He he right. really loved that album. Right. Well, and, and I think that, uh, I, I mean, clearly, it, he doesn't sound like your brother, but clearly he was influenced by your brother and a number of people from that era, and oh, it, it yeah. sure is oh, you yeah. know, to see that connection. Was, was he... Um, how was he to be in the studio with? Well, it was uh, scary. And, and you know, when I went in there, this really nice man that was the engineer came and talked to me, and he said, uh, Linda, I just want to explain a couple of things to you. 
He said, Van likes to cut live on the floor. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know this man that well, and I, he's very hard to sing with. And I'm going to be playing the piano, and sometimes in the keys that I've never played in, that that was a miracle. Wow. He wanted to do Let's Talk About Us in the key of D. And you can't <laughs> transpose a grand piano, an acoustic right. grand piano. Right. So I had to figure it out very quickly. <laughs> and, and, and and so I just, you know, I was scared to death. And that's when I came to that conclusion, and I just said, now, I'm just going to go in there, have a good time. I'm being paid to be here. Nothing will ever come from this, but it's okay. <laughs> there you I'll go. Enjoy the day. <laughs> there you go. And uh, so when when you put out um, your new record, um, what what's kind of, when you have a project like this, what's, do you have a goal for it? Is there a thought of where you'd like to see it? Or or what do you look to do when, when you've got a new project? Well, you know, of course, I'm in American Roots music, and, and I'm doing music that back in the 50s was pop music of that day. Sure. So the, the music that I'm doing now is not pop music of this day. <laughs> right. And, you know, I was living in Atlanta. Maybe I could have gone into rap music, but it might have been kind of unusual, an old white lady singing rap or, or, or rapping rap, which is what yes, I guess you'd exactly. be doing. But, but you know, the, the goal for me was to do an album that would get good reviews and that my fans and my friends would like and to have an album that I can sell on the road and be proud of uh-huh. and to hopefully get some airplay, which we are doing. Right. And, and the main thing was it was so exciting to have an album coming out in the United States. Uh-huh. I haven't had an album here since the Two Sides and the Duets album I did with Jerry. Wow. And so has most of it been in Europe? Is that where most of the records have come out? All of them. I, I've been sold as an import in America for a long time. You know, the New Rose album, that was an import. Uh-huh. And then my albums I cut in Sweden, and I did a couple of albums in the U.K., they were all done in Europe and sold here as an import. And even the album that I recorded in Nashville and, and ended up doing some of it in Austin as well. Or that No, that was a different album. But I did one, an album in Austin and I did an album in, in Nashville. And both of those albums came out. The first one that I did was in Nashville and it came out in the U.K. It was released there on Sire Warner. But uh-huh. there again, it wasn't released in America. Huh. Is that just because the the Roots audience is so much stronger there, or uh, what goes into that? I just didn't have any contacts. And, and you know, when my daughter married Danny B. Harvey, the first thing he said was, well, your mother needs to have an album here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I said, yes, I agree with you from, you know, from your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> right, right. And Danny knows people, so he called his friend Quentin Jones. And he talked to him about me, and Quentin was interested. Uh-huh. And the, the other gentleman that is involved in that record company um, that actually is like partners with Quentin, Mr. Frank Barrett, and they both uh, decided, yes, we want to do this. So we did it. And um, But I, I don't know how that could have ever happened without Danny to introduce me to Quentin <laughs> because, you know, you just have to have contacts. Oh, absolutely. And I have better contacts in Europe or I should say had, because <laughs> that has changed now. 
But at uh-huh. that time, you know, at that time, I had better contacts in Europe than I had here because I started wow. my solo career in Memphis, and uh-huh. I I am very happy and proud to say that I was blessed because I was successful there. I sure. got great reviews and did great gigs there. But then I started going more and more to Europe, more and more to Europe. Ended up living in in uh, Wales in the UK for five years. Uh-huh. So I just did more and more things there, and honestly, in Roots Music in America, I just didn't know anybody. Sure. And then lo and behold, we did Viva Las Vegas, uh-huh. and my, my son-in-law was there, and and he met us briefly, and then he, he called my daughter, and she ended up going to see him. He was doing a gig at Blind Willie's uh-huh. in Atlanta, and that's where we were living at that time. And so Annie went to see Danny at Blind Willie's, they ended up just never being apart after that. <laughs> that's, that's the darnest thing I've ever seen. Oh, Two people <laughs> go to a gig and just never really come home. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely, that's great. And then, and then of course, Danny was. You know, he got uh, some things going for my daughter. A lot of things going for my daughter. They they have a new album out. It's called Barbed Wire Heart. And uh-huh. that's coming out February the 26th, and it's a great album. It's a duet's album with the two of them. Really uh-huh. great. And and you he, but he got me this deal with Quentin, and God bless him. I needed oh, that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing I needed to do was move to Austin. <laughs> <laughs> well, doesn't everybody? <laughs> and so here I am at ground zero. That's what Robbie absolutely. Falk said to me. I talked to Robbie uh. the other day, and he said, oh, uh, are you in Atlanta? I said, no, I'm in Austin. I live here now. And he said, Oh, you're at ground zero. <laughs> <laughs> well, so um, where where are you going to be playing soon? Where where are some of the places that people can go see you? Well, um, I have a gig coming up at Antone's on February the 4th, and I'm going to be there every Thursday night for, well, not every Thursday night, but two Thursdays in February, the 4th and the 11th. And then uh-huh. in March, I'm there three Thursdays in March, but not the Thursday that falls within South by Southwest, uh-huh. and I am proud to say that I am an official South by Southwest artist this year, and I'll be playing oh. South by Southwest. Oh, so that's, that's very, very exciting. Right. And, and you know, I go down on Sunday nights sometimes and sit in with Hay Bell with my friend Dallas Wayne <laughs> and, and Earl Pooball. <laughs> yes. And, and then I have Pooties coming up uh, March the 11th. I'll be at world-famous Pooties. Oh, absolutely. And I'm going to be playing at Riley's. But I don't have the date on that yet. They just changed the date on it, and I don't know if that's going to be happening in uh, in April. I think it will. And I'll be also doing a show at Strange Brew here in Austin in April. Okay. And I'm playing St. David's every Sunday in March. Okay. So I've got a lot. Of, I've got a lot of gigs coming up. I'm happy to say. Well, you do, but now you're you're going to have to rediscover the rest of the lower 48 states. You realize that? Oh, I know. I know. I'm going to be having to do some traveling, <laughs> <laughs> and also. This Friday, I don't know um, if, if anybody wants to come or not, but I would love it, love it if they do, because my daughter, Annie Marie, and my son-in-law, Danny, are doing a gig at Evangeline Cafe here. Okay. And they have a piano there, so you know I'm going to play. <laughs> I'm not just going to sit there. <laughs> Well, so, so we have a lot we have a lot coming up. And, and, yes, I would like to do some gigs in New Orleans and, and maybe Dallas and Sure. I used to play in, with my brother, you know. Uh, we used to do Dewey Groom's Longhorn Ballroom in <laughs> Dallas, Texas. That was one of my favorite gigs. Uh-huh. Just because you got to say Dewey Groom's, is that why why you liked it so much? 
Well, I just loved it because the way that I loved to watch them dance in there, and they would do that Cotton Eye Joe dance. Uh-huh. And they don't do that dancing often, so I'm going to have to get a gig in Dallas to see that Cotton Eye Joe thing again. <laughs> well, tell me how you like in Austin. I love it. I absolutely love it. I told Dallas the other day, I said, you know, I should have done this years ago. He said, you know, a lot of people say that. Because <laughs> it is, I mean, what you find here, Dale, is wonderful. Because the, the entertainers and musicians in this town are not jealous of each other. Everybody helps everybody. I've never seen so much love and warmth and it's just wonderful here. I mean, I didn't know a place like this even existed. Well, and and I think that you know, music is actually treasured there instead of kind of the, you know, being thought of as a third-rate pursuit or whatever. I mean, musicians are are really revered there, and I think that Oh, makes absolutely. A lot. That that's the other thing. But I'm just so used to being around people who are competing and no one really wants to share any information with you so that you can get a gig and here it's totally the opposite. Everybody helps everybody, everybody loves everybody, no one feels threatened by anybody else. They are actually intelligent enough here to know, hey, I'm an entertainer or I'm a musician or I'm both, but guess what? I can't be in every venue in Austin, Texas sure, every night. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they well, actually and, know that here. <laughs> and, and the crowds are big enough that they don't have to feel like they're, you know, stealing for someone or someone stealing from them either. Either I think that's a big part of it. And, and I guess another part of it too is that they're just so good. Well, yeah. yeah. When you're as good as these guys. <laughs> you don't have a whole lot to worry about, do you? <laughs> no, there there's some really great players. So what's your favorite song on the new album? My favorite song on the new album. Oh gosh, that's gonna, if if I tell you it's going to sound really awful. <laughs> Cuz I I wrote it. <laughs> Go ahead. That, no, I, I Heartbreak Highway is my favorite. Okay. And, and, and I love uh, Hard Rockin' Man. That, that, that's, I love that, and I love Spellbound. Those are the three that are my three favorites. But okay. I love all of them. I absolutely yeah. love them all. It's hard to pick. I can pick only three. I can't. It's hard to narrow it down to one. But, you know, if I can only choose one, Dale, I'm going to pick mine every time. <laughs> absolutely. That's, that's the spirit. But Spellbound, when we do Spellbound, that's that's my daughter singing the lead vocal, and I'm singing harmony with her. Uh-huh. And then we're overdubbing some harmony in the in the chorus part of it. That's the only kind of overdub we did was just the you know the backing vocals. Right. And, and that was so much fun because you know I love to sing harmony and and her voice is so beautiful. She sang that song so well and and we had so much fun doing that song. It was really really um a, it, that song is a treasure to me. Mm-hmm. And and I think that uh, I mean there are, what. What will be the next things that you're going to do? I mean, are you going to cut another album soon, or what's what's the plans for what you're looking for? It won't be too long. It won't be too long because they're they're very happy with the response we're getting to this one. And Uh and I have to say that uh, no one's given me any figures yet because they probably wouldn't want me to ask them for money. (laughs) (laughs) But I have have heard that, that the album is selling really well. Good. Well, and that Mojo review won't hurt either, because that, that's a very glowing review, and, and people that 
subscribe to that really by records. I know that. Well, I appreciate Lanark. I appreciate Lanark because they they've got promotion guys out there plugging the album and and they believe in me and I really appreciate them. So, tell me a good um tell me a good story about kind of the early Jerry Lee days. Tell me tell me something that maybe you haven't told many other people about being out on the road or just some funny experience. What's something that springs to mind? Well, uh, of course, we had a lot of fun on the road. There was something <laughs> going on all the time, and and sometimes you know, brothers, a brother and sister traveling together, you're you're bound to get into a fight every once in a while. Sure. So one night we got into it about something on stage, and oh, it was we were trying to figure out what key one of the songs was in, and you know, back in those days. I didn't really know how to play the piano that well. I knew how to play chords, like for uh-huh. writing a song or something like that. But Jerry had shown me just one lick on the piano, only one. And so, But anyway, I'm standing there with him, and he said, well, if you think you know so much about it, why don't you just play it? And he got <laughs> up from the piano, <laughs> and I was so stupid because I sat down. I <laughs> sat down and, and played my one lick that I knew. And then I looked up at him because I was in trouble. And he right. knew I was in trouble, and <laughs> he laughed, and then he sat down with me, and we played that song together. We played uh, the boogie boogie rock and roll stuff together. It wasn't even a song, really. It was just jamming, and uh-huh. the audience just went absolutely crazy, and that's one of my fondest memories. And after the show, Jerry's agent at that time was Al Embry, and he ran up to us, and he said, Oh, I'm so excited. We've got to keep this in the act. This was so great. The audience <laughs> loved it. And you know Jerry never did it again. <laughs> never again. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's that is a great story. So, uh Linda, give me the the places that people can find you. Give me the websites and the info that they need and and let's let everybody know about that. Yes, darling. Well, uh, my website is lindagaylewis.net, okay. and and that that takes you to another website, which is uh, a, a website that we put up long ago, which is lindagaylewis and annemariedolan.com, which Dolan has now been changed to Lewis. And but uh, but that is um, that's one place. And then of course I'm on Facebook, Linda Gale Lewis on Facebook, and right. then Lanark Records has got all kinds of websites and stuff. They have everything and. And there's actual uh, distribution. A lot of the record shops have the album. I, I know you can. I'm pretty sure you can buy it here in Austin at Antones. And then, of course, I always take a product with me when I'm on gigs. Sure. But if anybody ever has any trouble finding anything, they can get in touch with me on Facebook. I am still able to answer people because I don't have that many people contacting me. I know there's <laughs> there's some people that can't do it because they have like thousands of people. Uh-huh. Sending them messages. Uh, I, I, ha- I don't have that problem. I can get back to anybody that wants to know anything. I can get right back to them. Well, good. That's I can a, still be reached. <laughs> there you go. Well, that, that's great to know. Well, well, thank you for spending some time with me, and I, I sure appreciate it. And and I hope everyone has enjoyed the interview as much as I have. Well, thank you so much, and and I really enjoyed talking to you today. Yes, thank you. Again, if you're looking for some quarantine variety, please check out the live stream that Linda is doing on from Knuckleheads in Kansas City. And so I don't understand it yet, but I'm going to learn. And just like everything else, it's a new experience during the virus. 
DaleWileyShow.com.